Immune systems. We're born with them, but what exactly are they? The immune system is a complex network of cells and proteins that defends the body against infection. It keeps a record of every germ it's ever defeated so it can recognize and destroy the microbe quickly if it ever enters the body again. You might be wondering what you can do to strengthen your immune system with all the COVID talk right now. There are things you can do and we'll discuss them in today's show. Dr. Kell will be interviewing Ted Hahn, who is a clinical nutritionist who began bodybuilding and powerlifting competitively during his teen years. He was amazed at how quickly the body responded to good food and good exercise. As he matured, he got into nutrition and has been working in the field for the past 30 years. He worked in pharmaceuticals for 10 to 12 years, but found his passion and love in clinical nutrition and helping doctors and their practices understand how to implement nutrition to help improve the health of their patients on a long-term basis. As a clinical nutritionist, his favorite simple rule is, if it didn't have fins, feathers, fur, or grow out of the earth, don't eat it. Welcome to episode 17. I'm Nikki Sterner and I'm here with Dr. Kell today. You are going to be interviewing Ted Hahn. Tell me a little bit about Ted. How do you know him? Ted Hahn is a clinical nutritionist. Okay. Uh, I know him um, because of one of the suppl supplement companies that I use. Um, we became friends. He teaches seminars and, and uh, for on given health topics um, for that company, um, uh, Standard Process. And so that's how we met, got to know each other. And, and uh, so, yeah, Ted is, is an extremely knowledgeable guy. Um, his knowledge, his depth of knowledge in the area of uh, function of the body and how it reacts to nutrients um, is way beyond mine. So he's a resource for me. When I someone comes in to see me with some kind of health problem at times, you know, I have a variety of different ways I can go. And sometimes I actually consult with him. Um, when they have unusual symptoms or symptoms I haven't seen before. Um, and uh, he seems to always have the answer. That's interesting. So clinical nutrition is based on food, nutrition? Yeah, I mean, he, he, ha he, he, he's, he, he he's licensed as a nutritional, clinical nutritionist, um, but his knowledge goes way beyond that. I mean, you, you go to school to become a nutritionist, you learn all the basics, and, you know, there's dietitians that call themselves nutritionists too, and they learn about diets and foods and, and what the FDA and the USDA and all the other uh, 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 government agencies out there, they, they learn what the standards are um, and what people should generally be eating uh, that are considered healthy. Um, the nutritionist side of it tends to go more into the holistic side, um, whereas the dietitian, um, I'm not docking dietitians. If any dietitians are listening, um, you 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 know you get out of school like they're like anybody else. They get out of school and go, okay, now I'm going to really go learn what I was supposed to, because mm. until they start applying it, it, it and and seeing the problems and working with the people, um, you really don't learn it uh, for most people. Sure. Um, and so, yeah. So yeah, lots of people react differently to different foods too. So I'm sure you have to case by case. Yes. You're dealing with that. Case by case. Yeah. So I wanted to get into, uh, the quote of the day now, if that's okay. Oh, yeah. Did you, you have got, anything you got else? me rambling too quickly <laughs> there and, and we missed out of the quote of the day is supposed to come right off the bat, right? So All right. go ahead. I'm sorry. So the quote of the day is to see what is right and not do it is a lack of courage by Confucius. Do I say that right? Confucius. 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 
he would be, you know, I'm Confucius. He, he, he was a very, he was a very forgiving guy. So I'm sure he, he's, he's fine okay with, with it either that, way. Right. Yes. And depending on what language you're saying his name in, that may have been exact, the exact pronunciation. Exactly. So I probably got it right. Yes, so I'm glad I we think, can agree on I, that. I, I, think, <laughs> I think you did. And uh, so to know that you have to eat this healthy food and all the, you know, clinical nutrition advice coming up. We have to do that or else we're lacking courage, right? That's right. That's right. Time to change. It's time to change. We're about helping you make the change to a healthier lifestyle and 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 wellness and and which will help you feel happier. And that does take courage. It does take to courage to do the things we're recommending. Um, though again you have your choices and so don't blame it on us if you don't do it. Um, or don't follow us, but we're here to try to help you. And we're having fun doing it. So, do you have uh, any news of the day? Yeah, we have news of the day. Okay, uh, Nikki, I wanted to bring up an article that I found. Um, uh, it was actually in the Seattle Times of all places. April 26, 2021, says the world is too dry and hungry to snub genetically modified crops. Tech CEO says. So, uh, what I wanted to do is just share some things in here. It's very interesting in this article. Uh, there's a a company out of Argentina that uh, has been genetically altering wheat um, and wheat is one of those foods that has not really taken off uh, Monsanto with all the things going on in in, in the world with uh, up in arms about the GMO uh, foods mm-hmm. uh, or crops vegetables specifically um, they have cut back from from what I'm hearing, uh, Monsanto has actually stopped producing some of the stuff that they were producing um, and tried to move towards um, being more uh, towards the organic way of doing things. Great. Um, or at least uh, trying to make changes and improvements. So good for Monsanto. Um, this guy, though, I don't know. Maybe you want to buy stock in his company. Uh, they're raising money now. They're trying to get things approved in different countries. Uh, they're, they're in Brazil where they did all their testing. Not Brazil, I'm sorry. Argentina where they did all their testing. Now they're trying to get countries to accept their their uh, seeds and, and start growing this modified wheat. Um, the CEO is claiming that within five years we won't be able to produce, produce enough vegetables, fruits and vegetables to supply the world with the food it needs um, as well as meats that, you know, he's claiming within five years we're going to have a famine, basically, is what it sounds like. Um, didn't use those specific words, though. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, and that if we don't have these genetically altered foods that grow in, uh, um, you know, he has a point. Um, the The world is changing. Uh, areas in the world, certain areas are becoming more arid, and certain areas are not growing the crops as well as they used to uh, because they don't have enough water. Um, and getting too much sun, and so anyway, they come up with this with this wheat that they can grow in very arid arid regions, and and now they're claiming that it'll be good for the environment because it will uh, help re- reduce carbon dioxide in the air, which is a big discussion today. Mm. Um, although if you you I, I keep I gotta look up that name, uh, the guys on uh, uh, on on the documentary that talks about uh, dolphin safe tuna. So Ted's going to talk about a little bit about the dolphin safe tuna issues going on now uh, on that uh, documentary called Sea Spiracy on Netflix. Um, go watch it if you haven't watched it. It's quite enlightening. Um, 
But uh, anyway, the ocean, we've learned, is the greatest reducer of carbon dioxide in the world and way beyond what any of the, anything we could do on the land masses with our crops. Not to say what we're doing, planting trees and all that isn't good. It is good for the environment, keep doing it. But the ocean is where the most significant uh, uh, problem is occurring today. Um, anyway, we're talking about wheat. So there you go. Genetically modified wheat on the horizon. Uh, keep a watch out for it. Uh, I'm not going to eat it. So Me either. Mm -mm. There we go. All right, well, let's get into the interview. Today, we are talking about immunity, a big subject today with COVID-19. And, and uh, even before COVID-19, it was a big subject, but even more so today. And everyone's concerned about how they can improve their immunity. Um, so we've brought in an, an expert, Ted Hahn, who's a clinical nutritionist. Um, and uh, he's had experience with uh, uh, pharmaceuticals as well as nutrition, well, supplementation and, and good eating. So we're going to talk to him and ask him questions about immunity. He's going to explain to us how we can improve it, what it's all about. And Ted, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. They, uh, well, let's just get started. Let's get right into sure. it. Tell us a little bit about you, Ted, first. So I uh, developed a fascination with health and nutrition when I was in my early teens, and I started bodybuilding and uh, powerlifting, and I got into that competitively for a number of years, and I was really amazed at how quickly the body responds to good food and good exercise and in a whole spectrum of different ways. So as I matured and got out of that, I got more into uh, nutrition, and uh, I've been in the nutritional industry for about uh, close to 30 years now. I did a a brief stint on the dark side of pharmaceuticals for about uh, 10 or 12 years. I learned a lot, but um, and it was a lot of fun, but this is really my, my passion and my love, uh, is clinical nutrition and helping doctors and their practices understand how to implement nutrition to uh, improve the health of their patients on a long-term basis. Awesome. Well, that's why we're here. That's why we exist as Health Talk with Dr. Kell. We want to share with the public alternatives to um, modern medicine, and help people recognize that uh, there are alternatives and, and what they can do to find them and use them and how they can benefit them. So let's get right into it. T sure. Tell me, Ted, what's immunity what, in the body? What is it? Immunity is, uh, we hear about the immune system. It's not something that's centrally located in the body like an organ system. It's a cellular network that exists throughout the body um, in the uh, the tissues of the intestinal system and the bloodstream all over the body. And uh, they are classifications of different cells that come from the bone marrow. Uh, all, all your immune cells initially come from the bone marrow. You have... And that's the substance inside the bone, right? A lot of people don't understand yes. even what a bone marrow is. Yes, exactly. So one of the functions of bone marrow is to create antibodies. And uh, it creates other types of immune cells, too. The immune cells that are not classified as antibodies migrate through the body to an organ at the base of the neck called the thymus. And the thymus is kind of like, uh, you might compare it to a top gun school for immune cells. They go there to get uh, given their various tasks and identities and their role in the immune system functionality. So that's what the thymus does. It works in conjunction with the bone marrow and these two organ systems along uh, with the lymph system uh, dictate how the body responds to challenges from viruses, bacteria, things of that nature. Briefly explain what the lymph system is. Is that part, That's part of our immune system, right? 
it's yeah, in a way. Um, we have a vascular system. We have veins and arteries all, and capillaries all over our body. The lymph system kind of mirrors that system and sits right next to it. And you might compare it to the garbage disposal system in our bodies. In other words, when cells die or there's um, biological pollution inside our bodies, it results from dead cells or the turnover of aging tissue, that type of thing. It goes into the lymph system. The lymph system carries it uh, essentially out the body so that it's eventually eliminated in the stool. So that's kind of underscores why it's so important to be regular because not only are we getting rid of things we can't use from our diet, but we're also getting rid of things that the lymph system has collected and designated as uh, byproducts of viruses, impurities, and that types of thing, and that's how we get it out of our body. So it's kind of the end of the immune response. It takes out the, the waste that when the cells have died off, the body's gotten broken those down and gotten rid of them, and yeah. it takes it out. And you've got, a lot of people know about lymph nodes. Lymph nodes are, are, are like under your arms, and people with sometimes get cancer, things like that. They talk about lymph and lymph nodes. And yeah, and the lymph system is also important because it's, it's also a transport system for a lot of these immune cells. In other words, they are stationed at various sections of the lymph system, and they survey the body for invaders of a bacterial or viral nature, and then they help the body, the, those cells help the body to formulate uh, an attack plan so that they can effectively get rid of the viruses or the infected cells. And that's why the lymph nodes swell up, right, when you get an infection? Yeah, that can be one of the reasons. Um, another reason is they, they get blocked on occasion and they don't have a heart pumping fluid through them like the blood system does. So uh, gravity and physical motion is what makes the lymph system work. So that, uh, that's why it's important that we exercise. One of the many reasons why that's important, it keeps the lymph system working. And if that's working good, then we're getting rid of our toxicity at the same time. I don't know that we've given our audience a total description as how it works, but obviously it fights infection, right? Yeah, I can, I can kind of summarize it. Yeah, go ahead. bullet points here. Um, you essentially have two types of cells. You have T cells. They're called T cells because they come from the thymus. And you have B cells that come from the bone marrow. Uh, T cells are what's referred to as cell-mediated immunity. It signals various types of immune cells to go kill the invader or whatever that happens to be. B cells are referred to in you know, medical jargon as humoral immunity, and that means that they create antibodies that are designated to go destroy things that are determined to be harmful to us. So the antibody is like the warrior. It goes out and finds it and eats it up and kills it? Yeah, actually, most of your immune cells function in that capacity to one extent or another. Um, we have an innate immune system, which works on a very simple level, and lots of all animals have innate immune systems as well, and that simply says, find what's in the body that is not classified as us and go kill it. The adaptive immune system is a bit more specific. That will create a specific battle plan with various different types of immune cells that are very specific in their function to take out viruses, bacteria, that type of thing. And so we have a combination of these two types of immune systems that work uh, in conjunction with one another, in cooperation with one another, so that we can maintain our health and get quick well if we happen to get sick. Part of that whole thing just amazes me too. You know, a lot of people don't know that we're only aware of roughly three to five percent of what's going on in our system, and all this is going on inside of us. And we're totally clueless to it. <laughs> it's just amazing to me. Um, so, tell me what. 
you know, it's a big deal right now, too, in the news. Um, there's there's articles coming out now of different uh, substances used in plastics and, and, and other products that, uh, in fact, I read an article not long ago about how uh, one chemical is common in plastics that inhibits the immune system. And so talk about that a little bit, too. Um, everybody's scared with COVID and wearing their masks and running around and, and got to, got to go get the vaccine. And, and, uh, though we're not saying we're anti-vaccine here, uh, we think people should be educated and really study and, and, and learn before they, they go take those shots. Um, and, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, when you, when you think about the, the human immune system, it's, incredibly effective. It's incredibly efficient. It's incredibly intelligent. And what we've been led to believe as of late is that the immune system is uh, somewhat confused, dysfunctional, weak, and not really good at doing its job. That's the message being put out there. Right, exactly. And so we need uh, pharmaceutical help to make the immune system work better. now, I'm not. I'm not going to say whether I agree or disagree with that, but what I am going to say is, the immune system's not confused. It's not weak. It's not stupid. It knows what it's doing. But like any other system, it has to be nutritionally supported, because our body, all aspects of it, the the efficiency with which it operates, is determined by the quality of the nutrition we put into it. Because the nutrients we derive from nutrition are used to. Um, increase and maintain the functionality of our tissue and organ systems. If our nutrition is bad, then if you want to take the immune system as a standout example, it's not going to work well. But in terms of how effective it truly is, we have faced so many things in our human history that could have wiped us out as a species, but has not. And the bottom line is it's not because we've collected a plethora of chemical injections that have saved us from all these things. It's because the immune system is efficiently and beautifully designed to keep us alive and keep us healthy. If we just keep our immune systems in good functioning order, they'll serve their purpose very well. And while we will get sick, we'll get better. I'm not saying there's things that we can't get sick from and that the immune system can't handle and we don't recover from. We do know that happens and we do know that uh, the medical system is, is there for us in dire cases of emergency where we actually need it does that have its benefits right? of course it does of course it does but if you keep your nutrition or excuse me if you keep your immune system healthy and functioning through good nutrition you can bypass a lot of those little emergencies that require um western medical intervention for lack of a better term right so you're saying that if you're a junk food junkie they, uh, <clears throat> you better change, um, yes. especially if you're concerned in, in this environment uh, with exposure to viruses and bacteria and fungus and everything else on this planet that's trying to kill us. They, I've, I, I've often thought, you know, the Earth, Earth in many ways doesn't want us here. Um, but I think the reality of it, of it is it does. It just wants us to treat it well. That's an excellent observation. Yeah, let, let, me, let me draw an illustration here about how diet can affect the immune system. Uh, when do little kids usually first get sick during the year? It's Partly it's when they go back to school, but generally it's after Halloween. And parents always think, oh, they were out, they were exposed to cold. It's cold time of the year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not why. <laughs> what happens is they go out and they get a bunch of candy and they eat all this sugar, sucrose. And what's interesting is sucrose molecules can bind to the receptor sites on cells that vitamin C should be binding to. 
and vitamin C is vital in immune function. Maybe we can talk about how a little bit later, but if you have all these vitamin C receptor sites on the cells plugged up with sucrose, <laughs> you can't utilize vitamin C to help your immune system run well. And so little kids get sick after they eat all that sugar. So you derive from that, okay, well, maybe I should cut down on my sugar because it, it can impede immune function. Yes, exactly. That's an example of how junk food, the sugar part of it, can affect our immune system function. Alcohol can do the same thing in a different context. So a lot of sugar, a lot of alcohol, you're going to have poor immune function. And uh, <clears throat> what do you call junk food, Ted? What, what really classifies as junk food? Uh, well, um, go ahead. I had, a, I had a friend give me a really good illustration one time. He said, oh, I quit eating junk food. I said, yeah, everybody says that. What, is that. what does that mean to you? And he says, well, let me put it this way. If it didn't have fins, feathers, or fur, or grow out of the ground, I don't eat it. <laughs> I said, well, arguably a, a Twinkie came out of the ground at one point. You know, it was, it was wheat waving in a field in Iowa at one time. I said, wouldn't that qualify as something that grew out of the ground? He said, no. I mean, you have to look at it and be able to tell it came out of the ground. And, you know, a Twinkie has a, you know, a half-life that's similar to plutonium. So you know, it's, been, <laughs> it's been altered in such a way that... It's not any good for you anymore, regardless of the fact that it was once made from wheat. The, uh, I, I've heard people have put Twinkies into time capsules, so I guess we'll see just how long <laughs> they last and how good they taste, you know, 500 years from now. Yeah, the, the bottom line is you should know what you're eating and where it came from. If it's in a cellophane, cardboard, or plastic wrap package and there's a bunch of you know, multisyllabic words you can't pronounce in the ingredient list, then you probably shouldn't be eating it. When you buy broccoli in a grocery store and you look at the ingredient list, guess what it says? Broccoli! <laughs> okay? You buy some saltine crackers or some Captain Crunch and you read the ingredient list, you know, it looks like uh, polymers they might use to paint your car with. But, so, but wait a minute, Ted. All, all these cereals, they, they put vitamins in there. If you read the box, they got a list of vitamins. What's the deal with that? Well... Um, that's a really loaded question. There's, there's two types of vitamins. There's vitamins that are synthetically produced. In other words, you take the vitamin molecules out of some substrate you might not consider food. And then there's vitamins that are food-based. What's wrong with the ones, with the synthetic ones? Well, let me, let me paraphrase what doctors in the 50s used to say, because that's when synthetic vitamins first came on the market. And those doctors, MDs in fact, intelligently said, hey, you don't need to take vitamins, they're in your food. And that was a valid statement in the 1950s. Now, because of the way we raise our crops and the way we process our food, a lot of that vitamin content is destroyed in the processing, which is why those foods need to be fortified with vitamins because the processing of them destroy the vitamin content. So if you're gonna try and save money, the types of vitamins you put in those foods are going to be made the cheapest, most efficient way possible. Your body looks at that and says, hey, this is, um, this is not the vitamin C I would find in an orange or in some red peppers or in some asparagus. This is, uh, this is different. I'll see what I can do with it, but it's not what I had in mind when I was looking for vitamin C. So sounds like you're saying that uh, those added synthetic vitamins, and they don't say synthetic, so people assume they're, they're good, um, really aren't doing anything for, for you. Well... They can help, but, but not as much. And by synthetic, we don't mean they're made out of plastic. That's not the point. It's, it's that they were synthesized or extracted in a laboratory from some substrate that you might not consider edible. In other words, you wouldn't have it for dinner. For instance, most of your B vitamins are synthesized from derivatives of cold tar. 
That's a very well-kept secret. I'm sure you wouldn't have any coal tar for dinner. <laughs> so <laughs> while the vitamin B molecule exists in that substrate, that's, again, not exactly what your body's looking for. It's looking for vitamin B that comes from things like liver, which surprisingly no one eats anymore. Uh, wheat germ, a lot of people can't eat that because they're afraid of wheat and gluten and that type of thing. So we've become so sensitized to healthy foods that actually contain good natural vitamins that we're not eating them much anymore because our our organ systems, particularly our digestive system, has been so compromised by years of putting junk food into it, it's not really that good at metabolizing good natural food anymore. So it's, it can be a difficult transition for some people to make. Well, it sounds to me like you could call the synthetic vitamins junk vitamins then? I would. <laughs> Along with the junk food? I would. They, uh, <laughs> um, okay, so when I go to the store and I say I walk into a pharmacy or, or some other store that carries supplements, um, those are the good ones, right? Well, if I really wanted to get good vitamins, I would purchase them from a clinician because clinicians carry what are called doctor's lines. Doctor's lines of vitamins or clinician lines of vitamins have to adhere to much higher standards of potency and purity than over-the-counter stuff does. Um, Source is a big thing too, right? Source is everything. So when, Like you mentioned, the, the tar. Yeah, when, when I hear a company say, uh, we use whole food vitamins. My question is, does that mean your vitamins are derived from food? And their answer is, well, yes, of course. That's, that's what whole food vitamins are. My question then is, great, where's your farm where you grow the organic vegetables that you derive the vitamins from? Then there's a long pause. And then there's a subject change. <laughs> so. well, well, it always comes down to the money, doesn't it? It does. I mean, all this was created when you think about it, it that there was a time when uh, people were eating food off the farm and, and the doctors were saying, the medical doctors were saying, you know, get your nutrition from your food. <clears throat> Someone went, huh, I think we, we, could, we could create the substances that are in food um, from something else or, or from that food too, but, but we can do it in a cheap way and we can specifically take that supplement or that, that vitamin and, and synthesize it in the lab and make it a whole lot cheaper. Then we can convince the public that they should be taking it this way and that this is just as good as doing it the other way and, and we'll get rich. And, and basically that's what's happened. And uh, we're trying to get people educated so that they understand that not that they can't trust anybody, but they need to be, I, I don't know, I, I you know, a bit we, more we've discerning. never been buddies with Russia, but I really like their, <laughs> their, their version of uh, trust, but verify. And, and uh, um, we need to do that. People need to verify what they're being told. Whether they, who, I don't care who they go to. Um, I, I've got stories of, of incidents that I won't share today, but maybe later, uh, of those same incidents where I got a, a first opinion, a second opinion, a third opinion. I'm sure you have too. Um, but uh, back to immunity. Um, what can I do, Ted? What, you know, I say I, I'm the guy listening right now or, or the woman listening and, and I'm confused. I, I, uh, I know that I can recognize because I've been living on junk food for my entire life. Um, I, I have a box and a can all the time and I have probably if I'm older, I, I, I have uh, health problems and, and my immune system isn't very good. And, and I was the first one to run out and get the shot because I was concerned and worried because I was made to to be concerned and worried. Um, the, uh, um, what do I do? What's, what should I do, Ted? What, what do I a, do? A couple of simple steps. Number one is stay out of the periphery of the grocery stores. 
or I should say, no, stay on the periphery of the grocery stores, stay out of the middle, okay? Periphery is a... Periphery is meat, dairy, produce. <laughs> and the middle is box synthetic garbage. Stay away from that. Buy your food from the produce section. Get nice lean meats, um, free-range organic stuff if you can find it. I know it costs more, but it's, it's definitely worth that. So getting back to immune function, when you supply the immune system with the the nutrients it needs to maintain its functionality, it works better. What things specifically help the immune system work better? Well, we can talk about two or three different things that will really improve its functionality. Can, can I say uh, something there? We sure. Can, um, okay, let, let's say I, I'm not junk food junkie, um, and I want to, but I want to change, um, and I don't know what to do. Um, somebody like you could help somebody like them, right? Sure. Um, so... Getting a coach, finding a nutritional coach or, or a nutritionist, um, or someone, a healthcare professional that deals in nutrition is, is, would be a, a good step. Um, but let's say, you know, I'm not sure I got the motivation to go do that yet, Ted. Um, what can I stop doing? Give me something, some things I can stop doing and maybe start doing just on a simple level. Sure. On a very simple level, um, if uh, the hypothetical person we're talking about likes to enjoy... Uh, Alcohol, cut that down a little bit, um, particularly hard alcohols. Um, beer and wine, you know, you have a little bit more leeway there, but hard alcohol really affects the bacteria in the intestinal system, and the bacteria in the intestinal system have everything to do with metabolizing the nutrients you eat and putting them in a form the body can actually use. So the more alcohol you drink, the more you impede that process, and it also prevents you from absorbing vitamin B, which is also necessary for a lot of different immune functions. So... First on the list would be reduce alcohol consumption. Second on the list would be reduce sugar consumption. Third thing on the list would be start to make a transition from eating processed packaged foods to, like my old buddy said, stuff that had fins, feathers, or fur, or grew out of the earth. And that's a very simple concept that everybody can grasp. You don't need to be a clinical nutritionist to understand that concept. We were meant, we are live biological systems. We are meant to eat live biological foods. And since we're not running down antelope and ripping their livers out and eating them like a lion, that <laughs> live food for humans is stuff that grew out of the earth. You don't want to boil the life out of it. You don't want to eat it out of a can that's been sitting in a saline solution for six months on the shelf. You want to eat something that was harvested from a farm and is over in the produce section. That for human beings is what live food is. It's still enzymatically active. It hasn't been cooked and killed and destroyed. It's still very good for you in its raw state. So the more vegetable and fruit matter you can eat that's been unaltered and was recently harvested, the healthier you're going to be, the better your immune system function is going to be. If you are a meat eater, um, try and let chicken or fowl and fish dominate your meat consumption. But if you like red meat from time to time, get good uh, organic sources because sources that are not organic have hormone, pesticide, herbicide residues in them, and that's going to compromise your immune system function as well. So you want to eat as naturally as you can. That's the easiest way to put it. Can we trust these claims of, uh, of uh, free range and, and all, the, all these things that they, they do? Do we need to be careful there too? Do sometimes we told things on, on the nutrition from, from those trying to save us that, that sometimes they're deceptive too? Um, yeah, uh, 
you know, if you watch the series Sea Spiracy, um, <laughs> you'll learn all about the fallacy of dolphin-safe tuna, which is very tragic. But in terms of organically grown food and organically raised animals, that's generally valid. You just have to understand that it costs more money to do things that way, and the demand is very high because the supply is very low. So more and more people are moving that direction, right? right. So... You know, the economic system being what it is, when something becomes popular, the price goes up. It's the old supply and demand. But it's worth paying that price. I don't know if we should share this podcast now. <laughs> because because I I want to be able to go to the store and get get, get all the stuff I, I, I want that's good stuff. If we tell everybody about it, there'll be even less out there to, to get. We might not have enough. Uh, well, there'll be enough. There'll be enough. There'll okay, be enough. good. Um, anything else you want to add to that before I ask you another question? Yeah. Um, good supplements to take. Vitamin C, because vitamin C is uh, very important for immune system function, and believe it or not, calcium. Now, we're not talking about um, calcium phosphate, which is the kind in your bones. We're talking about calcium that, that is used by the immune system. Well, calcium's a big deal, too, because a lot of people think, you know, they go buy the over-counter, over-the-counter calcium. Uh, name some bad calciums or calciums your body doesn't really utilize, and which ones actually help you? When someone picks up a calcium supplement, turn it over and look at the source on the ingredient list. And very typically it will say calcium carbonate. Okay, calcium carbonate is limestone, it's chalk, it's ground up powdered oyster shell. And that is very, very hard. I like oysters though, Ted. Well, <laughs> but you don't like the shells. <laughs> no, I don't. We're, we're not meant to. And your body to, doesn't break that down. No, your body has a very difficult time breaking that down. And it has a very difficult time transporting it from the bloodstream into the tissues where it's really used. And very often that type of calcium, when you've heard MDs talk about, well, you got to limit your calcium intake so it'll give you kidney stones. The problem is, is when you eat insoluble, undigestible calcium made from calcium carbonate, it stays in the bloodstream as the blood runs through the kidneys. It leaves calcium deposits in the kidneys, and then you get kidney stones. The problem is, is that calcium's not being metabolized or absorbed by the body, and so you have calcium residue in places it shouldn't be, and that's what causes, that can be one cause of kidney stones. So you want to make sure the calcium you get is a form that the body can use. So calcium citrate, uh, calcium lactate, which is very hard to find. You generally have to get calcium lactate from doctors. Well, okay. Or I should so, say from chiropractors. So, so, the, so the sources... Um, very important. ...is very important. The, so can I go into the grocery store and buy calcium lactate? Nope. Can they I don't go, know what it what is. What about calcium citrate? Yeah, you can find calcium citrate, but okay. again, you have to read your labels. You need nutrients in a form your body can use, and many of the forms that are on the counter are have... Very low usability. Well, they're cheap, right? It all goes back to again to the money. Yes, exactly. Um, but uh, it, it, it's a way, you know, sounds like calcium. What about milk? Calcium for milk. I drink a lot of milk, Ted. Well, Why, what do I need to take anything else for? Think about it this way, okay? Calcium is a mineral in the ground. The reason milk has calcium is because, is because cows used to eat grass. Okay? Yeah. The grass had calcium in it because it grew out of the ground. The cows ate the grass, therefore their milk had calcium. Now c- cows are fed pelletized synthetic garbage with no calcium in it, and they're not eating grass. So now milk is calcium fortified, which means calcium is put into the milk after the fact. Uh, What kind of calcium do they put mm, in? Calcium carbonate, mm, the worthless kind. So unless you're drinking, if you're drinking raw milk from organic cows that are grass-fed, yes, it's fantastic. And people that are lactose intolerant can actually drink raw milk because raw milk has the acidophilus bacteria in it that actually digests the lactose so it doesn't bother you. 
However, the FDA will make you believe that if you drink raw milk, you'll end up with botulism and die. Um, let's, let's not go well, there. We're, we're all happy with the <laughs> FDA. They're, they're, they're one of the greatest uh, government agencies on the planet as far as I'm concerned, and, and I hope you all know I'm joking. Uh, um, but they do serve the purpose, and, and, and it's not all bad. So, so you know, we, we're not here to just, just you know, talk down everything that the government does, but we want you to understand that they do screw up a lot of things. Well, they're not health experts, and that's And we the all do. You know, yeah, yeah you, you assume they are health experts, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you assume they do, that all the people working for them, all the ones making the decisions, um, are really the scientists and the, and, and, and the people that, that really know what works yeah. and what well, doesn't. Well, you've heard the phrase, follow the money. If you do that, yeah. you, you generally what find what's wrong back with something. To, right? yeah. yeah, you can buy yeah. your way into anything these days, and, yeah. and in America too. So besides vitamin C and calcium lactate, um, there are products that uh, specific nutritional companies make that have um, a thymus gland material in them. And that's from a bovine source. But in mammals, if you use these glands from mammals, it works the same in a human body as it does from the animal body it came from. And the reason that's the case is because these glands absorb into themselves all the minerals vitamins and nutrients that are necessary for the functionality of that gland. Now, Chinese medicine is very familiar with this. So if you have a weak thymus, which would be um, shown by difficulty in getting over an illness within a seven-day period. In other words, you should start improving in seven days because that's how long it takes the thymus to arrange uh, an immune cell attack on a specific antigen or, or virus or bacteria. If you have this illness that goes beyond seven days with absolutely no improvement, then you have some thymus issues. If you eat a supplement that has some thymus tissue in it, it's kind of like taking a multivitamin supplement specifically for your thymus. It helps it work better, and then your immune functionality improves because you're actually feeding the organ that has the responsibility of generating that immune response. And again, you can't generally find stuff like that over the shelf. You have to go to a good nutritional chiropractor or acupuncturist or naturopath and ask them what they have in their clinician's line that would help their thymus work better. And that's where you find stuff like that. Well, and that brings to my mind um, an interesting point. Um, a lot of people out there are vegans, vegetarians. They, they think that uh, the human body is made for just eating stuff grown out of the ground. Um, it's been my uh, understanding and my uh, um, education that says that humans, uh, if, you, if you take the animals on the earth that are pure vegetarians and those that are carnivores that eat meat, um, that our digestive system is actually set up to accommodate both. And, and uh, maybe you could briefly talk about that. Um, sure. Uh, you know, why are we, why is it okay for us to have both, you know? What, what, what? Well, let's, let's separate ourselves for a moment from the ideological fervor that is associated with veganism or vegetarianism and, you know, the cruelty of mass animal production for human consumption, that type of thing. Let's, let's move those off the table for a minute and just talk about how the human body works. Okay. Because the human body doesn't really care what your morals or ideologies are. It needs sure. what it needs. Now, in light of that, uh, when you look at our digestive system, it is just as you said. It's made to process proteins, whether they're animal or vegetable derived, and it's made to process vegetables or plant matter. Um, if you're looking for an ideal percentage, that can actually vary from person to person because there is 
variability in what type of dominant macronutrients are going to work in that person's physiology. That's not to say we all don't need more vegetables. Generally, we do. If you look at the average American diet, um, the vegetables that are eaten are you know, woefully inadequate in terms of their mass and volume, and on top of that, they're usually processed and canned, which makes them very close to worthless. So, um, so get it raw. Yeah. If you can, get it yeah. raw. Yeah, I mean, no one's going to eat raw asparagus cook, and broccoli, cook, but... Some, and some vegetables are good, but better if they are cooked, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but what's interesting is the, the fiber, the insoluble fiber that's in vegetables and fruits and in their skins, uh, when we eat that, the bacteria in our gut use that to keep themselves healthy and happy. And it's actually the bacteria in our gut that determine how well we metabolize the nutrients that we eat. So... If you eat a lot of meat, you're going to have species of bacteria in your gut that cause a lot of inflammation, that can impede immune system function, et cetera, et cetera. So regardless of what your ideology is, I would say, you know, vegetables should probably compose 65 to 80 percent of the, of the diet in an ideal state. And if you're a protein person, some lean, some lean proteins. I have tried um, being vegetarian. I really liked it. It suited me well. I just like meat once in a while. Um, well, and there's nutrients that, in the meat that you don't get out of the vegetables, right? Some of the um, things, if some, you, sometimes a pure vegan can, you have to be can come pretty, up with nutritional issues. Um, yes, you have to be pretty smart to be a vegan. You have to understand what type of proteins the vegetables contain and how to combine them so that you can mimic what you would get in animal-based proteins. So you can do it. You yeah, can it's, do it's it. absolutely possible. You just have to know what you're doing. Um, a vegan who goes and gorges on a bunch of... Uh, <laughs> Let's go back to Captain Crunch. <laughs> Captain Crunch because it's a breakfast cereal made from grains. Yeah, they which can are still plants. call themselves a vegan, right, and eat Captain Crunch. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, as long as it's not made from animals, you can be a vegan. Now, that's not the intelligent way to go about it. The intelligent way to go about it is to understand the the protein ratios of these various vegetables and find things that don't irritate your digestive system and at the same time provide the protein matrix you need and eat that. But I would say, you know, if you stick with a diet that's, as I said, 70 to 80, 80, 85% fruits and vegetables, grains, and then the rest lean proteins, you're going to do pretty good. Gotcha. So is that what you, is that what you follow, Ted? Do you try to do that? For the most part, is, I have, it, I have periods of time. It's not always easy, is it? Even no, it for, isn't. For I have periods of time where I try to clean out and I will go vegetarian for a month or two and then slowly yeah, creep the meat back in and, and try and eat less of it than I did before. But, uh, you know, I, I grew up as a weightlifter and a bodybuilder and I have that old fixation on the protein mentality. I've got to have one gram of protein for every pound of muscle in my body. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> if you're eating that way, you're setting yourself up from problems later, which even the illustrious Arnold Schwarzenegger has admitted in uh, Game Changers. So it's good to eat more plant matter in our diet. We all need it. We're going to benefit from it. And it will make our immune systems function better as well. You mentioned the microbes being affected by eating a lot of meat and, and a few vegetables. Um, those microbes are very important in your immune system, right? Absolutely. A lot of our immune system um, operates from our gut. In other words, we have this, uh, this thing called GALT in our guts, G-A-L-T. That's an acronym for gut-associated lymphoid system. So to translate that in a language everyone can understand, a lot of that lymph system, which we talked about at the outset, which um, is necessary to get waste products and dead cells and infected cells and that type of thing, it's located within the walls of the intestinal system. And the health of that system is dictated, again, by what we eat and how we feed the bacteria that maintain the health of the gut wall and our ability to metabolize nutrients. So 
yeah, that's that's really important. Um, just made me think of a question when we were talking about the calcium that we, I don't think we got into is um, what what are the sources of calcium lactate? That's the best. What, where does it come from? Um, you know where it actually uh, comes from is spring water, and believe it or not, the best source of calcium lactate in spring water is. Um, a bottled water that no one drinks anymore because they don't like the minerally taste, and that's Avion. Really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Um, it's also in eggshells. It's in different things. Like if you wanted to make a, a quick natural brew to take when you feel yourself coming down with something, you can cut up a couple orange peels and some eggshells and boil it in water, let the water cool and drink it, and you actually have usable calcium citrate. So there's lots of natural things you can do to make yourself healthier, but calcium is necessary. We talked about immune cells that are located all over your body, and they have to get from point A, wherever they are, to the site of an infection. And these are mobile immune cells. They're called phagocytes and um, microphages. And these are guys like the little Pac-Man from the 70s that walk around and gobble up stuff that's, that's not you and that's harmful. And the way that they transport themselves from one point to another point in the body is they follow what's called an ionized calcium trail. In other words, that's calcium that's been given an electrical charge so it can move in and out of cell membranes. I know I'm getting a little biochemical here, but calcium's absolutely necessary for those mobile immune cells to get to the site of an infection and address it and dispose of it. So if we're low in usable forms of calcium, our immune system's not gonna function as well because it's kind of like taking a tank to the battle lines, but you know, some clown took the treads off, so the wheels are just spinning in the mud and the tank's not going anywhere. You have to have that calcium in the tissues in order for those mobile immune cells to transport from point A to point B. Um, that process for your nutrition nerds out there is called chemotaxis. So without enough calcium, our immune system is not going to function well. So that goes back to getting a good usable form of calcium, like calcium lactate. And again, that's something you typically have to get from... You know, well, well-informed chiropractors, acupuncturists, naturopaths, that type of thing. I, I'm, I, I would assume then that your body does use some of the calcium, is able to assimilate some of the calcium from calcium carbonate and 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 other sources. Otherwise, we'd be our our our, our system. We, we'd probably collapse into a, a lumpy mess on the ground um, <laughs> because all of our bones would just come apart. Or or do we tend to scavenge our own bone in times of need and and under a a, a significant immune response? That's a really interesting question. You know, when, when you get a fever, what your body is doing is it's raising the internal temperature and that assists the body in leaching calcium from the bone tissue. And then that calcium is used to help those immune cells get to the point of an infection. That's why when you get sick, you get a fever. So what you really don't wanna do is take some over-the-counter medication that's meant to reduce your fever because then you impede the body utilizing calcium to fight that infection. When it's very interesting, when we have uh, clinicians who have patients that are mothers that come in and they say, my baby's teething and he has a fever. What can I give him to get the fever down? If you give that baby a form of calci powdered calcium lactate mixed in water and put it in their bottle and they drink it, their fever drops immediately because you've just made a usable source of calcium available to that baby's physiology. And it has, so it's and it not drawing it out of the bone and creating the fever. Right. It's taking it from what they took in, stopping the other process that was causing the fever, right. and supplementing the body with what it needs to fight the infection. Right. You don't want to steal calcium from your bones and make your teeth as a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you, want to, you want to get the calcium from the mother's milk, ideally. 
And if the mother can't breastfeed for one reason or another, then you know you kind of have to supplement that in the baby's diet, which is completely possible by mixing, say, a powdered form of calcium lactate with the formula. In fact, that would improve its bioavailability quite a bit and be good for the baby too. Yeah, I keep waiting for someone to start marketing mother's milk and, and maybe someone's already out there doing it. I don't know, but it, it uh, <laughs> I think they'd have a hard time finding a consistent, well, a, a source that wanted to sell what they have. Um, anyway. Well, it always leads to the question, how did you get it? So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that can be an uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> um, so Briefly, um, here as we kind of come to the end, end of this, so we could talk for hours and hours on this, obviously. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Um, and I find it fascinating. For us, anyway. Um, yeah, <laughs> and and we hope we haven't bored people or, or, or gone above people's heads with uh, um, terms used. I know I know Ted is, uh, I'm a nutritionist, but Ted 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 is an expert. I, I call myself a professional. He's he's an expert professional. Uh, um, and, and he knows the details. Um, just, just briefly... Uh, we talked about how nutrition affects the immune system, and, and I just wanted to say too, I, I'm, microbiology was one of my favorite classes, and I remember my teacher at one time saying that if I stuck a hundred people in one room and brought in the most virulent virus on the planet into that room, at least one person would survive. And so, can we say it's because that person's immune system was running at an optimum level and it was able to take out whatever it was exposed to? That's exactly why. Well, I'll. This is a statement that's going to be hard to believe, but I have not been sick with a standard upper respiratory illness like a cold or the flu uh, in the last 15 years or so. I did have one exception to that. I caught a flu I'd never caught before in July of all months of a uh, year before last, and it, uh, it beat me up pretty good. But what's really interesting, if I could just say this real quick, is when we, when our body um, marshals the defenses to fight a particular pathogen. There's a kind of a cousin to what are called T cells, and these these cousins of the T cells or varieties of T cells are called memory cells. And it's their job to do two things: store the memory on a cellular level of what that pathogen was and what its protein sequencing was, in other words, its its protein identity and all these other things. And then it also keeps a memory of the various different combinations of immune cells that were used to fight that battle and kill that pathogen. So your body retains the memory of all the things you've caught before so that when you encounter them again, it's like pulling a file card out of a recipe box and going, oh, this is how you make lasagna. Oh, this is how you get rid of H1N3. And that's a, that's a flu variation. And so your body knows how to fight it off immediately because you've had it before and you don't even know you've caught it again because your body neutralizes it literally in a matter of minutes. So long story short, I caught a form of flu I was never exposed to before, so my body had to come up with a game plan to fight it. While it does that, you're sick. <laughs> and that's how it works. Yeah. Once the body formulates that game plan and neutralizes that particular flu virus, you don't catch it again, contrary to what you're hearing out there, because that's the way the immune system works. That's the way it's always worked. That's why people that catch something don't have the same thing over and over and over again. That's why when our little kids go to school, they come back sick for the first five or six years of their life because they're encountering pathogens that they don't have any defenses for because they've never met them before. They've never had them before. They've never been exposed to them before. So as their immune system gains experience, 
And those memory cells are packed with all the information they learn from getting sick with things they weren't exposed to before. They get sick less and less and less. And by the time they're in high school, they're rarely sick unless they, uh, you know, still celebrate Halloween and go out and eat candy every October. Yes. And drink and, a lot. And, and these, the, the bacteria, the viruses, they're, they're in our environment everywhere. Absolutely. We're constantly exposed to them. Um, but we don't immediately have a re reaction to all of them because our body has the natural ability to to fight these things off without an extreme response to it. Right. Um, and, and it's only the extreme response that takes place when it's typically something new it's been affected by. Yeah, so we- or, or your system's not running very well, right? Right, or it's flatlined. That's, that's why when we, when we visit tropical, tropical countries, for instance, we go to Mexico, or we go to South America, or we go to different parts of Asia, and we eat the food and drink the water, we're exposed to bacterial pathogens that we don't encounter here in the United States. So your body says, wow, I haven't seen this before. You're going to be on the pot and thrown up in a bucket for a while until we figure out how to deal with this. Montezuma's revenge, we've heard it called. So that's why that happens when you go to other countries. It's not necessarily that they're unsanitary or the food's poorly, poorly processed. It's just that you're encountering things you didn't encounter here in the United States and your body has to learn how to deal with it. Well, Ted, thank you so much. Yeah, it was a pleasure. For, for coming on the show. I I would like to have you back again. We'll cover other topics in the future. Um, and uh, did you have any last words? Yeah. Remember that uh, that that whole food designation. You know, stick to that. If it didn't have fins, feathers, fur, or grow out of the earth, don't eat it. And if you just follow that simple rule, it solves so many different problems on so many different levels. Can, can you tell me, um, and I don't mind giving plugs to, to companies. Um, I want people to be aware. Can you give me some good... Uh, good companies out there that are producing the kind of supplements that you think are, are actually healthy and good for us? Sure. Um, I've been in clinical nutrition, like I say, for almost 30 years now. And, and the company that I keep gravitating to over and over again is, is Standard Process. And the reason I like Standard Process is because remember I asked, I, I said earlier, you know, when this company says they make products out of whole food, I ask, where's your farm? Standard Process actually has a farm. Well, and, and we should say you, 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 you do work with Standard Process, right? Or work yeah. for them? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I, I I don't want anybody to come back in the future and say, oh, he said all that because he's he's associated with them. But there's a reason you're associated with them, right? Right. I could work for whoever I want, and I have worked for others do other doctor line nutritional companies. And the reason I stuck with Standard Process is because when I went and toured the facility and saw what they have there, they took me out to a farm. And there were tractors pulling beets out of the ground. They said, well, these beets are what we make our liver product beta food out of. And then we followed the truck to the uh, processing site. And everything was processed um, in very natural ways. No heat or solvents are used to extract any of the actives from the vegetables. They are either juiced. And then the juice is spun dried in a vacuum and compressed in the tablets. Or the pulp is concentrated until you have the desired potency of the target nutrient or vitamin, and then it goes into the bottle and out to the doctors who purchase it. And what's interesting is another company I worked for that I will not name that's very popular and international in nature, I went to their production facility and it was a warehouse with row after row of blue 55-gallon drums filled of white <laughs> crystalline powder. It all looked the same. And so as I went to the tour guide, I said, well, what's this? She said, oh, that's vitamin B. Really? What's this over here? That's vitamin C. Well, they look the same. Well, yeah, that's how vitamins look before you put them in tablets. And I said, really? Then I go to Standard Process, you know, a decade later, and I see them pulling vegetables out of the ground and 
I you know, asked the dumb question, is this really what you make your products out of? They said, yes, come to our production facility. And then I literally saw those products being pressed and juiced and turned into enzymatically alive substances in the forms of their capsules and tablets that they shipped out to their doctors within literally a couple days out of being pulled out of the ground. And I thought, okay, this is real nutrition. This is, this is like the 50s doctor going, you should get your nutrition from your food. Well, it is from food, but most of our food is so hammered and ruined because of the way it's processed. If you're going to take food-based supplements, you should take food-based supplements that come from a protected organic farm that's never been exposed to herbicides, pesticides, etc., etc. And that's what that company is, which is why they occupy the number one spot in in my mind, as the most effective supplements to use because they are alive, they're biologically active, and, you know, like my old buddy said, they're made out of things that had fins, feathers, or fur, or grew out of the earth. Very good. Um, also, on our website, oceanbaynaturals.com, um, you'll be able to find uh, links there to places like Standard Process. Um, I do want to mention, though, as a uh, chiropractic doctor and nutritionist, um, I don't really recommend for people, a lot of people out there just go, hmm, they, they'll read an article and they'll go, oh, okay, yeah, I need some vitamin C or, or I need some calcium or, or I need some other vitamin. It looks like I'm missing this because this article said I might have these symptoms. And, and so they randomly go to the store and they grab something off the shelf and, or they read another article that recommends this guy or that guy and they just go do it. And they either, most of the time they don't find it really helps them all that much. And, so the reality that I've learned over the years is you need to be educated. You need to go to someone who can help you figure out really what you need. And you need to go to someone who knows what they're doing. Um, and so interview people. Uh, find yourself a nutritionist. Find, find yourself someone who you trust and believe that they know what they're talking about. Standard process is a great one. Um, I'm sure there's other companies out there following a similar similar plan, but not many of them. They, they don't set, follow the same formula because, again, it goes back to the money. Um, and so consider that uh, uh, when you read articles and, and uh, learn information, uh, we're, we're giving you this information. You know, we have sponsors, of course, but uh, we're giving this information because we want the public to be educated. We want you to improve your lives and find some health and wellness and happiness in this life. And, it, and uh, we're not about just making a dollar. So consider that when you hear the information, how you trust it, look what their intent is in giving that that knowledge. Yeah, if I can make one final absolutely um, comment about whole foods and whole food supplements. You know, you brought out a really valid point because people read various different magazines and trade journals and those types of things, and they may determine through their own research that they're lacking a particular nutrient. But let's let's again briefly revisit real quick how the body metabolizes nutrients. When you, there's no such thing as a ascorbic acid tree or a thiamine tree <laughs> or a melatonin tree, okay? You don't, you don't have single nutrients occurring in food substrates with nothing else in them. Food substrates and the vitamins and minerals and nutrients that they have in them are all interconnected with a matrix of um, cofactors and synergists and it's those trace elements, those cofactors and synergists that actually make those nutrients bioactive in human physiology. So when you take something out of that matrix and isolate it and give it to someone, the body often says, okay, here's ascorbic acid, but that's not 
completely vitamin C. It's just the antioxidant coating on the outside of the vitamin C matrix. I need the flavones, the isoflavones, the bioflavonoids. They're all missing. So in order to make this ascorbic acid complete, I'm going to pull those synergists and cofactors out of the tissues. So taking straight ascorbic acid can actually create vitamin C deficiency syndromes farther on down the road because you're not getting the whole matrix that actually is vitamin C. So that's why it's better if it comes from food because then all those synergists and cofactors are already present. They haven't been removed and that's what makes it easier for your body to use those vitamins and nutrients. So you want to find supplements that ha have basically been grown from vegetables, fruits, um, and, and dried dehydrated mm -hmm. essentially and and of course through research they know which ones have which um, nutrients in it and that's what you find written on the bottle but it's the combination of everything together and that's what your body utilizes the most it's 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 as close as you can get is going and eating some cauliflower or broccoli or or, or asparagus whatever um, you're getting into the sample a bit because you're too lazy to fix it yourself, probably. Um, and, and <laughs> or you so, don't like the way it tastes. <laughs> or, or that. And, and I have to say, for me and the way I grew up and the way I was exposed to crappy food most of my life, um, I tend to be more of a supplement taker. I, I don't really care for the taste of certain vegetables. And uh, my wife, uh, Dr. Ingrid, uh, is the opposite. She, she will gobble down vegetables all day long. And uh, so I take a lot of guff at the dinner table. Um, but I take the supplements and, and they work for me. And uh, so there you go. There's always choices. Always choices. So make sure you make the right one. Be educated and, and uh, get information from someone who knows. We've had Ted Hahn on the show and he's been a wonderful guest. We hope he'll come back. Would love to. Thank you for the, uh, the honor and the privilege of being here. Appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. That was a great interview, Dr. Cal. Thank you. It was. It was fun. Yeah, I enjoyed time. listening to it. It made I had some aha moments during it, like when he talked about T cells come from the thymus, B cells come from the bone marrow. I had no idea. Like I've heard T cell, B cell, but he actually told me where they're coming from. And it's funny. I thought about this thing. Like I, I hit my leg one time right on the bone, and it ha had an inflammation right away. It hurt. It was painful. And every now and then, I get this tender spot in my leg, and I swear, it's got to be like my, I don't know if the bone marrow comes from that spot, if it's like, I don't know, but I feel like when I'm sick or something, like I'll feel that spot and maybe yes, it's Yes, areas of your body affected. that have been injured um, do retain uh, some dysfunction. It's like a scar, uh, the scar on your skin. It never never goes away. All kinds of, all, all kinds of uh, cosmetics or... Uh, um, skincare products that claim they can reduce scars. Mm -hmm. And I suppose maybe some do have some effect, but yeah. it's not going to make it disappear um, that completely. Uh, so, yeah, that's what's happening in there. You've had an injury. It's been repaired, but it's never like it originally was. So yeah. it's more sensitive. Ner nerve, you, you have more, you actually grow more nerve fibers in an area after injury. Oh. Um, it's so almost like the I body saying, you know what, I've already beat this thing up once, I don't need to do it again. Mm -hmm. So if it makes it more sensitive, you're less likely to yeah. hit it again. Another thing that I thought of when I listened to it was, um, like I tend to in my head justify eating really healthy and then, hey, I can eat some junk food too. But he's saying like that adds to immune system problems, the chemicals in the food, processed foods and stuff like that. So it made me rethink 
what I'm doing in my life. Like, okay, maybe I should not be doing that, eating certain foods. Um, Why do you do it, Nikki? Or if you're, like, when I'm sick, I do clean up. I do it because probably emotionally I feel like I want to feel good, honestly. No. Oh, you mean eating the, the junk food? The junk food. Yeah. Because you have a sense of feeling a little better afterwards, right? I do, At yeah. First. But My then, mood. But then does guilt follow up later? Not really. Not anymore. I just like it. <laughs> I wish it did. Well, <laughs> Maybe okay. that would help. Okay. I used to, and, when I used to overdo it and do too much and then I would yeah. put on weight, I would have those feelings. Well, but you think I don't about most people anymore. who are on a diet... Um, they tend to, if they break the diet, they yeah. tend to feel guilty. And, and, and in fact, they tend to quit the diet at that point. And, and I used to be one of those people. And that's the, we're going to talk about that in the future too, about uh, what that's all about and what causes people to do that, why that's so bad and et cetera. Yeah. I liked how he talked about the grocery shopping because I'm the one who does the grocery shopping in my house. And yeah, yeah, you, I do. I hit the meat, I hit the veggies, I hit, you know, the dairy, you know, that sort of stuff. And then... Then I kind of like go through and see like the candy aisle and work the chips your way, and your way the crackers. Into the yeah, Dang. I do. I go there. But, you know, as long as it's not as much as the main foods, I feel like I'm balanced. And I, well, you I know, know what? Like it's a funny. I, I'm I, I find for. that. What's the psychology behind that? Yeah. Um, it's interesting because the, in it, I used to own a health food store. And uh, so you, you put the stuff that's most desirable in the middle. So they got to go buy everything else because um, mm-hmm. you want them to see everything. And the more people see it, it, it's like in advertising, the more you put something out in front of somebody, the more times they see it, the more likely they're going to buy it. True. Um, and so, you know, that's so for those that are unaware. So one of the reasons they throw it at you over and over and over again, why Coca-Cola, even though they're, it's so, you know, top soda sales company in the country or the world, um, they keep putting their their pictures and their name out there. Um, so why did I bring that up? <laughs> Another thing that I really liked that he was talking about, <laughs> speaking of the interview, <laughs> was when he mentioned, like, you know, people people will go online and they'll look up, oh, well, I have this symptom. What, what should I be taking? And then they'll, like, guess, like, oh, I'll try this supplement. I've been that person so many times. Yes, we want to say one thing that Ted didn't talk about when it comes to supplementation. Uh, he did say go see your uh, chiropractic doctor, acupuncturist, or naturopath, um, or nutritionist. If you want to change your diet, you want to help, in, you know, improve your improve what you're eating. And, you know, the reason he said that is because people read stuff online all the time. They read about a given issue and they go, I have that. Mm-hmm. And then in the, in the article it says, oh, take vitamin C for that. And so, or, or, or take, uh, you know, some B vitamins for that or take some minerals for that. And so they go, oh, okay, well, I think I have that symptom. And they go to the store and they look at the vitamins and supplements and they go, okay. And they buy one and then they go start taking it. And, you know, typically they don't, don't notice any difference. Um and the reason being is because just like you would go to the medical doctor and get diagnosed with a problem and he would prescribe you a medication to help cover up the symptoms of that problem, um, we as uh, health, natural healthcare professionals do the same thing. You come to me, I do an exam, and I examine you physically, nutritionally, and emotionally um, with different tests. Uh, to see where your problem is actually originating from. And from there, I may prescribe to you 
a nutritional program and give you specific supplements for your specific issue. It's rather than just throwing stuff at it because you read about it in an article, um, you may have many symptoms. We're trained to learn to diagnose those symptoms and to, to help it in the way that that it can be helped naturally, where as you might find with a medical doctor, he's more trained to prescribe to a medication that will help either cover up those symptoms or in some cases solve your problem as well, or move you on to cut it out and do surgery. But what I love about what you guys do here is you actually muscle test. So you know exactly at this moment in time what your body needs versus like, even when I've seen a naturopath or integrative medicine doctor, they're still guessing at what I'm well, doing. Well, that's why Sometimes that's why works. they call it a practice, and, and and you know we're no, we're no different than the medical doctors in that way. We you provide us with the results of several different tests. You mentioned muscle, muscle testing. Muscle testing, a lot of people don't even know what that is, mm. but you uh, expose someone to something and you test the strength of their muscles in its presence and without its presence, and obviously you can. And you can often feel there's a difference. Muscle goes weak or it gets stronger. Um, that we don't rely 100% on that at all. That is one of the uh, one of the tools in our bag that mm-hmm. we use as an evaluation. We do uh, um, many other things, from you know testing your pH to to uh, mineral tests in the office for in deficiencies. To um, we can even send out your feces for uh, evaluation. Uh, nice. Microbiome is 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 on the rise there everybody's hearing about it um and that's mm-hmm. about testing your feces to see what uh, flora your is in your intestinal tract to see if you have a bunch of healthy or unhealthy bacteria living inside you and then f- that information can help direct us at providing you with the proper nutrients to to help uh, you recover from that in, in imbalance and then you can do the test again after a few months and and see the difference so some of the takeaways from your interview were, what can you stop doing now? You asked, what can our listeners stop doing now? He said, cut down on hard alcohols. I thought that was interesting. Like beer and wine was not as much, so, but yeah, hard alcohol. I, I, yeah, I, the alcohol itself is a significant thing. So beer and wine are much lower in alcohol. Oh, is that why? Yeah. Yeah. Um, reduce sugar, obviously. Eat whole foods. I mean, those are all things that everybody can do today. Yeah, it's it's not yeah. that it's not that it's hard not that to make a change. The, the the difficulty comes when basically we we get used to a routine and we don't want to change that routine because it feels comfortable. And yeah. creating a new routine is very difficult for yeah. many of us, especially to stay committed to that new routine. Uh, we we fall into one. You know, we we gain a food has a memory to us, um, and that's a big thing. It's not just the taste of the food. It's the memories tied to our subconscious when we were eating that food when something good happened. Um, that's, that's the emotional side of eating. That's so true. Yes. I want to say because like yeah. I all, like lately I've been on this cinnamon sugar toast kick in the morning. <laughs> this is probably bad. But my grandma Moggy used to make this yeah. so special for us. Oh, yeah. And I mean we use organic everything but it's still, you know. But I feel like connected to something bigger than myself and I'm passing on a tradition and and like even tuna fish sandwiches with pickles and sour cream chips is like my grandma Moggy. I can't help it I love it (laughs) every time you eat one it makes me feel so good I feel like I am like honoring a legacy and that's maybe not 
as healthy, so, but I love that. Yeah. I feel like an emotional charge from that food. Now, now tie that to someone who grew up eating cans of Hormel, Hormel chili and not putting down Hormel chili, just saying may yeah. not be, eating out of a can. Right. Um, if if all, all your food came out of a can, but it was a special time, um, and it is for some, yeah. you know. I mean, you can, you, you know, I, I, I remember when I was, uh, after living by myself, uh, I moved it you know, had no roommates anymore um, and off working um, in my younger years. And the diet I had then um, was very simple um, because I'd work and, and uh, I can't remember what else I would do besides work, but uh, um, I would make Hormel chili burritos. Can you imagine oh, that? Wow. And that brings back that brings back a memory, you know, because mm. it was easy. I could heat the yeah. heat the chili up. Um, and in fact, I can't remember if that that may have been before microwaves. Heat the chili mm -hmm. up on the stove, and uh, <laughs> tells you how old I am. They uh, it's better though. Um, they uh, and rolling it into a a, a a flour tortilla that was great. Yeah. They uh, so simple but not healthy. Yeah. And uh, um, so we do what simple ties us back to memories. Um, that's the reason people eat junk food. It's easy and yeah. it can be tied to memories, you know, chocolate cake. Yeah. What do we do? A birthday, birthday party. It's a celebration. You, know, you remember, oh, that birthday yeah. was so cool. And it's tied back to cake. Oh yeah. Oh, I want some cake. It's now. one of my best memories I, I, as a child. Like okay. this birthday cake my mom made yeah. as, as a five-year-old, like I think it was like a lion cake with like licorice whiskers so what, and like. So what does that make cake for you now? Something happy. good. Happy. Something, <laughs> a happy memory. It's not just the fact that it tastes good because it doesn't. Right. Now you might eat it and go, oh, it's so sweet. That's what I do. Um, but uh, it's hard to it's break. It's a memory. It is. It's hard to it break. Is. Because it, it's, yeah. it's an emotional feel good, not mm -hmm. just a food feel good. Right. Right. It's a comfort. Yep. So, yeah, we need to get back into like making the healthy food what our life is about, right? Like family gatherings with all this healthy stuff. Yeah, make, well, the answer to that is make new memories yeah. um, while eating good things. Yeah. That's, you, you, or do yeah. the 80-20 rule, like you said, like 80% fill up with vegetables and a little bit of protein, and then, you know, you have your little treat with everybody too. Well, the fun, you're like, I can remember eating fruits and vegetables with my grandmother, because yeah. um, she was, you want to know what the sweetest thing she ever made me was? What? I like I love my grandmother. She taught me a lot, yeah. but I didn't like to go spend long periods of time with her. Oh, because she made you eat because healthy. Because I was a kid, you know, and, and my parents, mm -hmm. yep. you know, gave me whatever the heck I wanted to, or I cried about it, and then they gave it to me. Oh, so they, how uh, it worked. Um, you know, <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, at least this is, what, this is what my mother tells me. I don't remember. Yeah. That. But uh, anyway, um, my point of that was that I remember with her she would make peanut butter balls with honey. So oh. she would mix honey into a ball, and mm -hmm. we, you know, it was supposed to be a fun thing as a little kid, you know, so she'd give me some and just like roll it into a ball. And then she'd put, take that tray and put it in the refrigerator. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if she mixed some other things into it too. She might have. Probably. But reality was, it wasn't that good. I've done that kind of stuff to my kids too. I, I've made like the healthy brownies that are like back, black bean brownies or, you know, One of the, muffins with. Yeah. And they're not that bad. They're not that bad. No, Dr. Ingrid, she's she's actually created many natural recipes for yeah. cookies and cake and and uh, uh, different things. So we're gonna eventually uh, have her talk about that and post those oh, on the show too. Yeah, I gotta say the best thing that I think you know how they have the chicken soup for the soul books. 
when I make chicken vegetable soup, which is like one of the healthiest meals, and I try to have it almost every day, it really does feel like it's like feeding my soul. I love it. It's so healthy and I feel good eating it. And Chicken soup. Yeah. It, and I puree it, which everybody thinks is disgusting, but it's like so good with just a little bit of crackers in there. And it's, it's literally, it's like onion and celery and carrots and cauliflower and a little bit of broccoli. And, you know, I throw like turmeric and ginger in there and it is so good. And you feel so good when you eat healthy. Yes. It really does. Yes. You, re- you remind me of my grandmother again though, because chicken soup, she actually made her so own good. whole wheat noodles. Oh yeah, my mom's yeah. She made her would own make her own too. whole yeah. wheat noodles and take them, and we'd make them with. I don't her even put noodles in it. She put them on a hanger and dry them. What? I don't even put noodles oh, in you don't it. Put noodles no, in it. I don't need noodles. You just add little crackers. Oh well, yeah, but yeah, it's chicken good. and vegetables. It's so healthy, and you feel so good. Yes. Yeah, but my kids no, they're like that's disgusting, mom. Well, <laughs> it's like vomit. <laughs> that's what with, they say. <laughs> whether it's my grandmother's it's recipe so for chicken noodle soup or. Or Nikki's. We'll provide that for you later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so easy, too. It's so easy. Yeah. Sounds good, Nikki. All right. I'll make it for you. I look forward to it. And you eat chicken soup when you get sick, too, so you know that there's something good there, right? Something in it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right, well. Lots of good nutrients. I enjoyed the interview. You and Ted, thank you so much for having him on, and hopefully we can bring him back again sometime. He said he'd like to come back, so we will do that. Oh, great. Good, good deal. All right, well, thank you guys for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the interview, and we are looking forward to speaking with you next week. While we make every effort to broadcast correct information, we are still learning. We will double-check all facts, but realize that medicine is a constantly changing science and art. One doctor may have a different way of doing things from another. We are simply presenting our views on how to live a healthy lifestyle that will be as evidence-based as possible. We welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. We take no money from drug or device companies. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Kel Fullerton or any guests or any contributors to the podcast or any employees, associates, or affiliates of Dr. Kel Fullerton be responsible for damages arising from use of this podcast. This blog should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis of expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on this podcast. Our website, blog, and podcasts are all HIPAA compliant. While you may give your email address to subscribe to the website posts or to post information on the website blog, we will never share your email address or contact information with any third parties without your explicit permission. The contents of Health Talk with Dr. Kell podcast and the show notes are all copyrighted. All blog posts, podcasts, and show notes that are distributed to the public for free can be redistributed via hard copy or electronic copy for free only if Health Talk with Dr. Kell is included as the acknowledged author within the actual media that is being redistributed. The Health Talk with Dr. Kell podcast is a production of The Orange Stack with executive producers Dr. Kell Fullerton and Eric Hammond and hosts Nikki Sterling.